my money. Money. I get money from you. Money in the bank. Young money. Money, 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 money. It's the rich man's blood. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. World-renowned financial advisor and best-selling author Barry James Dyke will arm you with the truth. This is The Economic Warrior. Please note, the opinions expressed on this show are of the individuals who speak them, and not necessarily of Portsmouth Community Radio, its members, or board of trustees. And good afternoon, everybody. It's a beautiful uh, day here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, Phil, do we have a little Indian summer here? Handsome, Phil? Beautiful 80-degree day. Be- beautiful 80-degree day. Thank you, God. But anyway, it's a beautiful summer's day up here, Mid- Indian summer's day here in uh, Portsmouth. And um, we uh, have some. I have a great guest today, uh, Ted Benna, uh, the creator, the father of the 401K, and um, it's going to be great to have him on. And... Um, Ted, always great to talk to you. You inspire me, my friend. Uh, uh, and any um, event, I'm so glad you're here, and Ted. And you're just you're a great power of example for all of us. And uh, I just want to let you know that before we started. Gee, I'm terribly embarrassed, Barry, but it's always a pleasure to be with you. Okay. So, Ted, you've written, you're the father known as the father of 401k, and I have some questions I want to ask you. So, just kind of a um, because we have a good following around the U.S. now. So why did you write the 401K 40 years later, Ted? What, what, what motivated you to do that? Uh, Barry, I guess every significant thing that has happened in my life, I felt that I've been nudged to do it. And uh, so it's actually two years ago. I had uh, you know, time you know, during the fall of 2016 available and. Uh, I started working on this, and my, you know, the original intent was to do an update of escaping the coming retirement crisis, which I wrote, well, I guess, probably about 25 years ago. And yeah. so the working title I had was uh, "Escaping the Coming Retirement Crisis Revisited," and uh, so I kind of banged, you know, out the draft and uh, left it sit, and you know, early this year, without knowing exactly why, I felt compelled to get back into reworking and uh, you know as I got into the summer and looking at getting it actually published uh, occurred to me that made sense to flip the title to 401k 40 years later because this fall is the 40th anniversary of when the legislation that actually added this little paragraph to the internal revenue code was enacted so that's kind of you know, somewhat uh, long history. Yeah. Um, now, the thing is, uh, Ted, and I think you may we probably agree on a lot. We agree on a lot of stuff. Is that my research shows, Ted, that this is uh, uh, is that Americans are worse prepared for any type of retirement than ever before since the, since the times of Harry Truman. And uh, just to corroborate that, I mean, uh, healthcare, Ted. You know, you're an old. Uh, insurance guy like I am, is that, you know, the cost of health care, according to Kaiser now, is rough, roughly 20000 per per family now, which is incredible. Uh, Northwestern Mutual released a study in May of this year, uh, Ted, um, that three Americans, um, uh, one in three Americans said have less than $5,000 saved for retirement. Um, Boston College uh, recently 
uh, reported, I think about a month ago, that 54% of the population lacks uh, savings, and they're serving people between 55 and 70 years of age. And Mass Mutual uh, came up with a re- uh, report recently, I don't know if you've seen this one, Ted, uh, that believes that uh, more than half the population believes that the American dream is, is somewhat dead, you know, because people really want to have financial security of some sort. Um, but according to Mass Mutual study, most people, about half the population think it's gone. What do you think? It, it's uh, one of the reasons, Barry, that I changed the title because, you know, as, as I uh, thought about it, uh, you know, and I mentioned this in, in the foreword of the book, that, uh, y- you know, I uh, I don't see a way of escaping the crisis. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's coming. Um, you know, it's not going to be uh, pretty as we look ahead here to the, uh, you know, the next major economic downturn, I uh, you know, think it's going to be pretty uh, earth-shattering. You know, and um, but ask my assistant, uh, Tracy, uh, uh, um, uh, she read the forward, and um, and and your forward is, is, is full of a lot of gloom and doom, and um, but are people prepared for the next economic downturn? What do you think? You know, uh, what do you, what do the people in your church think? Not, not at all. I don't think they're prepared uh, either financially or spiritually, uh, Barry. And uh, you know, it's a concern. I mean, the you know the super conservative Christian element, um, you know, has an expectation that uh, we're going to have an event called the Rapture, yeah, which could happen at any moment now, and you know, pull us off to heaven and out of this mess. And you know, that's a um, you know, there's uh, certainly uh, you know, biblical evidence of that potential. Uh, however, you know, as I've kind of warned in, in the forward here, we as American Christians have absolutely no right, biblically or, biblically or otherwise, to expect that we're going to miss the next economic, you know, 2008 whenever it comes. And, you know, you're well aware, and I mean, all the financial people are you know, they're anxious knowing that, shoot, this bull market's been running for uh, an histor- historic very long time. And, uh, you know, we, we, we never avoid the reverse. I mean, it's never happened, and there isn't any reason for us to, you know, have a, a reason to think that, uh, you know, we won't uh, have another significant economic downturn sometime in our future. Yeah, and don't you think, Ted, I, you know, because um, uh, – uh... When did you start your When did you start your benefits? You worked for Provident Mutual years ago, and then the Johnson and Johnson companies. When 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 were you doing that business in the sixties or the seventies? I can't remember. There about well, the nineteen uh, sixties actually when I entered the business, and then in sixty five, uh, it was a couple of uh, brothers, the Johnson brothers, up in uh, suburban Bucks County, uh, suburban Philly, we uh, started a benefit consulting company in 1965 from scratch. So, so I've, you, you know, I have uh, very, very deep and long experience in this you know, whole retirement field, uh, Barry, probably you know, as much or more than anybody who's still around today, yeah. you know, thank yeah. the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm very grateful because, you know, we have some backgrounds. I had a retirement company. I sold that to an insurance company as well, but but today, Ted, to me, um, maybe I'm, I'm wrong, but <clears throat> doesn't it seem to be so incredibly more complicated, I mean, now with all the stuff we have? 
you know, people have they have these record medical costs. They got these bull and bear markets. Um, they got mortgage payments. They got car leases. They got derivatives. They got all these uh, mutual funds indexes. Isn't it more com- to me? It seems it's a lot more complicated. And I think the people are just gotten so far away from the fundamentals. What do you say, Ted Bennett? Well, I I think that's probably true, Barry. And you know, you forgot uh, certainly the young folks who are you know in the workforce or coming into the workforce with record levels of debt for many of them. Uh, you know, as a result of uh, education. So certainly very different uh, than what it was in you know 1960s or whatever when we uh, you know began our careers in this field. Uh, definitely a lot more complicated and. Um, you, you know, uh, leveraged. I mean, you know, the, uh, the debt leverage is uh, just uh, incredible, uh, you know, compared to uh, what it used to be. Yeah. And that's that's both individually and it's governmental and corporate level, you know. I mean, it's systemic. Yeah, and that's what, you know, I, you know that's kind of my soapbox, but I, I, I believe, and this is with all my heart, and is that the debt, the unmanageable debt is really is the thing that's going to sink us. Um um, uh, I mean, it's just the money printing. What do you think? Well, I can't, Barry, I can't continue. My uh, training was mathematics. I'm a math major. And, you know, as I've said many, many times, I'm not an economist and, uh, you know, financial guru. But, uh, you know, I tend to uh, focus more logically as a result of my training. And, you know, I, I don't see any way... Uh, what we're doing is sustainable and certainly there are many people uh, who are uh, much smarter than I am in that regard uh, who agree. And, you know, one of them is a, somebody we both uh, know quite well, and that's David Walker. Oh, you know? He's a wonderful and man. Certainly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was well, well aware of it because he's the guy who had to crank out the numbers for the, you know, the government and push them to Congress and see Congress just ignore them and bury their heads. Uh, really? Okay. You know, you know so I, I stay in touch with Dave Walker, and uh, it's supposed to be around the end of November. So should I tell him you say hello? I mean, uh, he's Well, a- yeah, I've known David for a long time. So, yep. So he, he he's, he's one of what I consider one of the good guys, you know, and he, um, you know, he's a um, sin- sincere, dedicated guy. And, um, you know, in his position as Comptroller General, I mean, you know, he, uh, you know, you know, he knows the story uh, very, very well, and um, so uh, you can pretty much bank on what he has to say about it. Yeah, he has impeccable integrity, he's, and he's just—he's a southern gentleman. You know, he just—he's just a really nice guy. But talking to math, let's just go on the Social Security crisis, which is—you know—I'm uh, self-employed, so I have to make these enormous payments to Social Security and the wage base. Ted, when the wage base started, when I started. Uh, being self-employed, it was twenty-eight thousand dollars, and I think today, Ted, I think it's around one hundred twenty-eight thousand, one hundred twenty-two thousand, something ridiculous. Um, and um, and and when <laughs> it, it was started, thirteen, roughly, I think you probably are better at this, but roughly th- for every person on retiree taking Social Security benefits, there are thirteen people contributing. Now it's down to like two point three. Is, is that true? Uh, it, it is, Barry. You know, and there's one thing about this that people don't understand. It's funny, even when I talk to financial folks yeah. uh, during my presentations, I say, 
Did you ever realize the fact that you pay income tax on your Social Security tax? And, and, and you know, and they look at me like I'm crazy. They say, well, yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, well, your, is your federal income calculated on your gross income before or after your Social Security tax? And, you know, then I say, oh, the light bulb kind of goes on. And, oh, crap, yeah, I mean, you're paying income tax on it as well. And then, you know, the reverse of it, Barry, is, is you, you're, you're well aware, aware now, when you collect your benefit, you know, up to 85% of it could be taxable at the other end. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a joke. You know, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and this, this, this shenanigan started when Greenspan, I don't know, was in the 70s when he said Social Security is broken. They raised, raised all the Social Security taxes, but then they spent it. Could you tell people what's happening to... I, you know, because I have to pay my quarterly. It's brutal. And um, and w- so we, we think it's going to our, an account for ourselves, but where's it going, Ted? Uh, well, it's being used on current expenditures, uh, Barry. And, uh, y- you know, I may have told you this story in your show before, but uh, during Clinton's presidency, yeah. He had a Social Security commission that 28 individuals, both Republican, Democrats, and, you know, private public sector. And, you know, David Walker was one member of that 28-member team. At the end of it, they came up with a set of recommendations for how to, you know, sustain the system longer term. And it was a combination of benefit cuts and tax increases. And, yeah, it was really a major accomplishment because when they gathered, they had extremely different views at the end of it they embraced unanimously a set of changes and nothing happened to it unfortunately but you know my point of telling the story is i was at a board meeting in washington after the group uh, finished their work and you know david walker and senator bro uh, from louisiana were two members of, of that group and they were your know, senator bro at that time was presenting the results and you know, he started by saying, folks, you know, we got a problem around 2030, you know, we're going to run out of money. And you know, my reaction at the time was, well, this is good. We at least have a leading Democrat acknowledging that eventually we have a problem. But uh, during the Q&A time, I, uh, you know, I said, hey, Senator, uh, you know, I'm not an actuary or economist, but are we going to have a problem around 2014 when the benefits being paid out? retirement exceed the tax revenues being collected you know uh, and that addresses the fact that you know the trust funds is nothing but you know barred money it's been spent and he hemmed and hauled and didn't know how to answer a question and you know finally his response was hey we're going to protect it if we have to print money and that's exactly what they've been doing so you know it was actually i don't know if you uh, you remember this but i think it was 2010 you yeah. know after the financial crisis of 2008, that the cash flow for the retirement system went negative. You know, that benefits being paid out exceed current tax revenue of all the, you know, the Social Security taxes being paid in. So it's it's actually a negative cash flow, you know, in the system rather than positive at this point in time. You know, and when you talk about running out money 2030, they're talking about you know, money that's already been spent. I mean, you know, it's like the analogy I use is, hey, if you you were allowed to borrow 100% of your 401k account and you had, but you know, when you retired, 
how much income can that account generate for you for retirement if you've loaned the whole thing out to yourself, Barry? Nothing. You know, it's just, as they say in the South, that dog don't hunt, Ted, you know? (laughs) 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 Or or was it what they say, Texas, that man's all hat and no cattle. Um, (laughs) You know? Uh, but it gets worse. Um, and I actually, Dave, uh, so my, my point is that you said it was going to go essentially be a problem by 2014-15. What you're a heck of a lot more accurate than, than the Congress has said it was going to do 2030. But now, and I talked to Dave Walker about it, but disability is, is already gone kaput. Am I correct? They're already un- underfunded. Well, well both Medicare and social and disability, both. And you know, dis- disability is uh, it's a farce. I mean, you know, people collecting disability. Hey, when you see lawyers on TV advertising that, you know, hire me and I'll help you get Social Security, uh, you know, disability benefits, uh, SSI, you know we got a problem. Now, the whole thing is, and this is what inspires me, uh, Ted, about your pers- perseverance, anything, worth, anything worthwhile in life it takes a lot of work. And um, and I think you by your calculations is something like over half a million four hundred one k's in existence today. Well, that's certainly not my that's yeah that's what they report. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Well, it's five hundred thousand. You know, over five hundred thousand. All right, um, but yeah. could you tell people? I mean, it's it's a it's a your your story is one of perseverance. It wasn't that easy to start, though, was it? Oh. It was, it was a bear, you know. The uh, it's one of the reasons why I wrote the book, also, Barry, is that you know it contains the most extensive history of 401k that's you know ever put been put together. And you know, one of the things that's important to understand politically is it was never intended. I mean, you know, that's the astounding thing. I mean, the fact that you know there are over 500,000 plans, and you know this uh, this helped. Uh, you know, tens of millions of workers uh, accumulate between ten, fifteen trillion dollars for their retirement. I mean, imagine where in the heck we would be without it. And it was never intended politically. Now, and I'm going to ask you this again, though, Ted. So you've created this industry, which has made the financial institutions. I'm saying Wall Street, um, you know, Vanguard, State Street, Fidelity, uh, J.P. Morgan. Uh, uh, BlackRock, you know, American funds, all these folks, billions upon billions upon billions of dollars because they're managing trillions of dollars. Has anyone ever called up Ted Bennett and said, thank you, Ted, for making us billions and billions of dollars? I, I've had plenty of participants, but I haven't had any of the big wigs from the financial institutions do that, <laughs> interestingly. Yeah. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, hey, the, uh, you know, Fidelity and Vanguard and, all those uh, fund companies were, uh, you know, there were very few of them, and they were mom and pop operations uh, before 401k. You know, clearly uh, 401k turned them into the financial giants they are, no doubt about it. Yeah, and, yeah. So they all have Ted Bennett to thank. Uh, and the thing is, is the, um, you know, and then it's also, uh, you know, I, I know you're for low cost. I'm for low cost in these funds, Ted. Also, these foreign cases it really turn into giant casinos for Wall Street. I mean, um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but like 
people like Fidelity are using money to uh, invest in startups and venture capital. They were never meant for that stuff. Am I correct? And w actually, Vanguard has participated in Hartford and a bunch of other people. What do you think, Ted? I mean, because it's kind of unconstrained gambling. It's certainly um, kind of strange, Barry, when you consider the fact that they're investing people's retirement money, which you know typically we think uh, of as a um, fiduciary responsibility. You know, you're watching out for and caring for other folks uh retirement money and um yeah yeah that uh, that certainly does uh, seem to be highly questionable because as we both know you know that uh, that kind of money is pretty much a crapshoot you know uh, uh high high risk and high end risk of the spectrum yeah but it's really you know and i don't care the word they're getting a, co a company's getting 10 basis points to manager or 100 basis points this really, this is, I don't know, they've really offloaded the retail risk to the consumer. And I, now now you have a good following, Ted. How many people really understand that all the investment risk has been dumped onto their shoulders? What do you think? Very, very few of them, uh, realistically. I mean, despite all the money, Barry, you know, and time that's been spent, you know, trying to educate, et cetera. Uh, you know, most, most, when you talk to them, uh, don't really have a good understanding of uh, you know how they're investing their money. Yeah, because I, I give a classic example of Lehman Brothers, Ted, um, which went bankrupt about um, a decade ago. If you, you probably remember where you were at that time. And um, now the irony of the whole thing is that actually Lehman Brothers had a defined benefit pension plan, Ted, which they proceeded to uh, for twenty three thousand of its employees, which they proceeded to buy, um, which they dumped onto the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. Uh, but um, the um, uh, uh, but my point is the major shareholders of uh, Lehman Brothers uh, were you know again Vanguard, uh, 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 BlackRock, Fidelity, all these things. And, and how many people really understood these are the majority shareholders? And and that guys like Dick Bowl who ran Lehman Brothers is so worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Not not a whole lot to say about Barry. I mean, <laughs> you know, the big guy seemed seemed to you know make out uh, all right regardless of what happens. Yeah, and um, yes, yeah, so that's and that's my point is, is that sometimes and I'm, I'm not against 401ks. I tell people to to participate in them and so forth because I think. I think you would agree that the, the discipline to save um, um, is really one of the key things. Um, but we know it's kind of amazing, but you, the whole 401k was really started with 869 words in the Internal Revenue Code, whereas the, uh, and I, I'm recording your numbers on this, that the Affordable Care Act had 363,000 words. Uh, is it, is it, am I correct? Yeah, you're you're right on. You know, pretty amazing. <laughs> you know, so um, now now the the thing is is that um, like like yourself, you know, I I tell people, and I've said this before, that my faith is the most important thing uh, in, in in what I do. Um, and um, so, where do you get the faith to keep going on this stuff, Ted? Because obviously, what you're the father of is kind of like. Gee whiz, what did I create? I mean, what keeps you going? We, you know, uh, on doing this, 
Uh, well, the first thing, Barry, is I, I know where I'm ultimately heading. Yeah, I, I know what the end is, and I'm not afraid of that. So, so that's number one, okay, without question, you know, is my faith and, uh, you know, holding firm in that. And, you know, next is my family, uh, you know, my wife of uh, 57 years, four children and nine grandchildren. Those, those, those are the biggies. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, um, you know, I've learned over the years to uh, fo- focus. That, that, you know, despite all the negatives we've been talking about, and we've certainly been you know dwelling on that. Uh, I choose not to dwell on the negative, but on the positive, because you know, otherwise, shoot, I'd be locked up. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the guys in the white coats would be here, you know, if I really. Uh, uh, thought a whole lot about this. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I uh, I realize, you know, I have no control over it. No point putting uh, a lot of men- mental energy into agonizing over something I can't control. And I also know none of the humans have any control over it, uh, regardless of whether they're in the White House or in Congress, you know, that uh, they don't have, uh, aren't going to provide the answers. I know where the answers are, and I guess that's that's the answer, uh, Barry. Yeah, you know, while I'm uh, pretty pessimistic about you know the future of the world around us, I'm not pessimistic about the outcome because I know know what the end game is. That's awesome. Now, what? But I also what I love about your story, and I think God's got a sense of humor. Um, you are a story story of the underdog, uh, Ted Bennett, because. What you created this with this uh, piece in the Internal Revenue Code? All the big guys miss it. I mean, the you know the Towers Perrins of the world, the Hewitts, the Mercers, the Wilshires, all these folks. They missed it. They 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 missed the four hundred one k cash or deferred um, uh, arrangement. And not only that is that when you're first starting these things up, Ted. Um, People weren't too happy because you were telling people to defer instead of taking cash. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, there are a couple of stories you know, around what you just mentioned. The first was the fact when I mentioned this to uh, Ed Johnson, who was my senior partner, his first question was, hey, if this is possible, why haven't the big guys that you mentioned come <laughs> up with it? And my answer was, yeah, I don't know. I can't tell you that. And second piece of that story is, my, you know, the head of the pension unit of Provident Mutual, where I started, was a guy named Everett Allen, you know, great guy, uh, you know, a, an attorney by training. And uh, he, he went on to Towers Parent out of Provident Mutual and became the, the national guru for thrift and savings plans, which were something that existed pre-401ks. Uh, you know, they were after-tax savings plans that the big companies all had with matching contributions. And, you know, Everett was the leading authority in the country on that. And anybody should have come up with it. He he should have. And, uh, you know, he didn't. Uh, and there's some other stories around that I could tell you, but, you know, they're not worth taking the time to go into. You know, they're pretty amusing. Yeah. But the thing is, is that, but uh, uh, but eventually it, it took off. And um, I was talking to uh, my engineer, Phil Kleiger, uh, he's a handsome fellow, we call him here, is that good things take time. and uh, But eventually you landed some big accounts. That you had Bethlehem Steel and J.C. Penney. This is pretty he- heady stuff from a, 
from a you know humble guy from uh, uh, Pennsylvania. Didn't you get these clients? You get some big clients as a result of your pioneering work? Yeah, yeah. Once it started to roll away, the um, you know the phone uh, the phone was ringing. You know, we're getting hundreds of inbound calls. Yeah, once uh, once we got over the hump. Yeah. So, so what's your kind of advice now, Ted? Uh, because one of the things which you know I've written uh, uh, several books about uh, how do people uh, should protect their savings in retirement. Because one thing I've learned, and, and uh, you're familiar with these target date funds, obviously. Um, uh, there's uh, as people approach retirement, there's no if they have money. There's no protection, so do you recommend things like annuities and and um, uh, for people to, for retirement funds because it's still a crapshoot and we still need to work with the laws of large numbers. Do you agree with your insurance background? But Barry, I um, you know, you know, I help promote target maturity funds. Um, you know, going back uh, you know a decade or so ago, um, you know, I thought thought and they are you know a good answer. For people who are in the earlier stages who don't understand investments, yeah. uh, you know they're 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 good tool for people you know in their 30s, 40s, and, and early 50s. But uh-huh. as I pointed out in, in the book uh, today, you know the pitfall with them and traditional advice generally with people who are close to retirement or who are retired, they can't afford to take the risk that they're exposed to in those funds which are also typical of managed accounts with the wirehouse firms and, and yeah. others. And, uh, you know, I've uh, included some pretty um, interesting statistics, you know, um, in, in the book to say, hey, you, uh, you know, if you're, you're retired already or near retirement, you can't afford another 2008 with those type of funds uh, lost uh, close to 30 uh, you percent. Know, you can't afford it. Amen. And, you know the the investment folks uh, who there's a mantra is to hang in there. You know, hang in there. <laughs> you'll recover, and, and they tell their clients now, see, see, you recovered. You've been made whole. You, you know, you did okay. Well, you really didn't. You know, and I've I've used some uh, examples in the uh, in the book to show that you, you know you never recover. I mean, if you you get hammered with a thirty percent loss. During your retirement years, you're uh, you're, you're never going to recover from that. So, so absolutely, uh, with today's you know high risk in stocks and bonds, you know, gravitating to you know guaranteed investments uh, for most people make a heck of a lot of sense. Yeah, and the whole thing, you know, Ted, and I, I don't know if I shared it with you, but um, uh, you know, I did the uh, Dave, I did that book, Guaranteed Income, with, and Dave Walker was uh, kind enough to do the forward because he believes in what you're saying and um, uh, very much and uh, Dave personally does and I do but um, but what I've researched Ted and I'll be happy to share it with you because I'm going to update it I'm going to guarantee income 2.0 is that major corporations are doing this I mean they're shifting to annuities and again I'm, it's not that annuities are panacea because they're not um, but companies like Federal Express um the New York Times, CBS, um, uh, British Airways, uh, Louis Vuitton, um, General Motors, um, Rolls Royce, Bentley are doing this, but but people in the press really don't know about that, do they? Well, what you're talking about, and it's important here to to, to distinguish that there are a variety of annuities, and 
Yeah, I'm definitely not a fan of variable annuities, which oh, you know, no, regularly like get either. beaten up and people get warned away from them. And uh, but there are what there, there there are two types of annuities here for our audience who we're talking about uh, that should be considered. Well, one, one is of course the plain old vanilla guaranteed income for life, yep. which is something you can get only you know from an insured annuity product where you can take a sum of money. And be assured you're not going to run run out because you get a guaranteed stream income stream for life. And many many people retiring need to do that with part or significant part of their retirement savings. Uh, the other type, which you're referring to in terms of corporate usage usage, is what are called you know fixed rate annuities, yeah. where you know you get a guaranteed uh, rate of return on it, and uh, uh, you, you know which in today's uh, riskier market certainly is uh, something worth considering you know, where you you can get you know re- guaranteed returns that are safe and secure that are you know 40 50 percent higher than what you're getting at your average bank uh, passbook savings account today you know, yeah so it, you know I just find it irony because this supposedly the masters of the universe and I'm uh, being a little bit arrogant here but I'm not but um, Lehman Brothers um, Purchase a one billion dollar annuity in the UK to offset their pension risks, Ted. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, and if you can believe it, uh, the British Banking Association did as well. Uh, and um, another one is the London Stock Exchange. Um, so I'm saying if these guys supposedly know everything about investments, but they're going to an insurance company as well. Again, um, I'd be happy to share these uh, these uh, uh, my research with you. But I found Ted. I don't know if you found this, but in the UK. Well, yeah, I've, that's been going on for some years now, and <coughs> you know what these companies are realizing is that you know their primary business isn't being an insurance business, you know, so they're offloading that uh, exposure, you know, to, in, to companies are uh, in are in that business. So now, now, Ted, uh, we're, we're getting near to the end of the show, but um, uh, it's it's so wonderful having an authority on you and a truth teller like yourself. Um, and a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, I've been blessed to have clients throughout the country. But what could you tell, you know, the next generation to, you know, being prepared for retirement or just life in general? What's kind of like five or six things you'd recommend people doing um, to be uh, more financially buoyant in the days ahead? Uh, I guess there's really only two that come to mind off, you know, off the top of my head, Barry, first of all. Um, the first one is the fact that there are spenders and savers. And, you know, the problem with spenders are they never have enough money. You know, they're always broke, uh, always spending more than what they have. And their problem in their mind is more income. Yeah. They just have more income. And, you know, I've watched it all my lifetime is somebody with that mindset that never overcomes the problem of having enough. Yeah, unless they, you know, hit hit the lottery big time or, you know, professional contract or or whatever, and then many of those can't manage it, as you you know. But, you know, but typically it's not the fact that, well, another $5,000 is going to solve the problem or 10 or whatever, you know, uh, with that mindset. And, And the savers always manage to save, even though, they don't have huge amounts of income. You know, they're a- able to sock some money away 
and be doing that, you know, on a regular basis. So, so it's important, you know, early on to, you know, to identify which type of person you are. And if you're a spender to get away from that by doing forced savings, you know, via 401k or, you know, other approaches and, you know, get in the habit of uh, some serious long-term saving. And, and of course, the other one that, you know, for somebody younger that came to mind is the the whole idea of budgeting, you know, of, um, you know, a businesses, you and I both manage businesses, you run on annual budgets, you know, every year you go through that process, you know, you just don't wing it uh, week by week and month by month. You have a budget that guides your, your planning, both on the spending and the revenue side. And, Certainly, you uh, can't operate uh, on a family basis without, you know, doing the same thing and uh, knowing, you know, where your money's going and being uh, becoming more successful at controlling your expenditures. And obviously, I guess the third one is, uh, man, sure don't accumulate credit card debt, uh, you know, that have those outrageous uh, interest rates on them, because that's certainly a... uh, you're know, losing proposition that you'll never win at. So, so I guess those are the ones that you know come to mind. Yeah, yeah. Don't get you know in debt. You know, I always tell people don't buy things you can't afford to impress people you don't like with money you don't have. You know. <laughs> well, the, the, that says it all. <laughs> you know, um, Ted. How can people find out more about you? And the book's on Amazon now. Yeah, it is on uh, Amazon. Or if you just you know just Google. Uh, 401k 40 years later you know it'll uh, pop up at different spots you can go to and uh, people can also go onto your website 401k benna am i correct yes i can yep yeah so so anyhow so we were uh, my engineer handsome phil is gonna we're gonna edit this and we're gonna put it up on the on the web and we'll uh, actually put it into a youtube as well so we can help you uh get the word out there and and you know and thank you so much for doing what you do ted we're grateful and if people are out there i don't know how, how many people are in 401ks today ted do you know uh, what the percentage of the population is i uh, actually i don't uh you know 40 50 million i mean some somewhere up in that range i guess you know because uh you know because defined benefits is for the most part gone if you unless you're a government employee and so uh, if you're one of the 40, 50 million people, we they all need to say thank you, Ted Benna. Well, thanks, Barry. Appreciate it. Well, Always well, thank, good to be on with you. you know, thank you so much, Ted, and God bless, and keep pushing back the frontiers of ignorance, my friend. Okie doke. Thank Take you. Care. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been The Economic Warrior with your host, Barry James Dyke. Broadcast live at WSCA Portsmouth Community Radio. Engineered by Phil Kleiger. If you have any questions about today's show or need an ally in conquering the battleground of finance, contact the warrior himself at barryjamesdyke.com. Who are the warriors?